Interior. A bedroom. Garrett and Derek stare into each other's eyes. Candles lit. Both wearing nothing but predetermined hats. Should we talk about wrestling? Garrett cracks open a white claw. No, we should talk about the underlying sexual tension in our relationship. Derek cracks open a white claw and pours it on Garrett. Mm, Hit our goddamn music. Celine Dion's It's All Coming Back to Me Now begins to play. You're hotter than Samoa Joe in Saudi Arabia, buddy. The biggest party of the summer is in my pants. Like an exploding light tube. Showers the front row of a GCW show in glass. You've showered my heart with love, buddy. Things get sexy. Yada yada, light tubes. Yada yada, Singapore cane. Yada yada, staple gun. Oh, my balls! Joey Janela enters the room. I heard there was some white claw in here. Yeah, there's a case of natural lime. I prefer black cherry. Joey shrugs, grabs a white claw, and cracks one open. Oh, there's someone else who wants to say hi. Jizz enters the room. Gonna make it a three-way? Only if you bring me another white claw. The end. What you just heard was an excerpt of the P1 cli- was an excerpt of the P1 climax written by Klaus White. Believe it or not, Klaus White sent us nearly 600 pages of P1 climax fan fiction written for predetermined a pro wrestling hangout. That was just a we little been, taste. We've been hyping that up for so long, and we felt that it was appropriate if we were going to put it on the show to put it at the top of the show for as long as we made you wait for that. And it was so important, we completely bypassed the whole hit our goddamn music thing that we've been doing for so long. This is the only time we've not hit our goddamn music. Because we felt that it was kind of implied after that uh, wonderful story you just uh, got to hear. Seriously, though, the author uh, doesn't seem to want to be named other than Klaus White. We appreciate that deeply. If uh, you want to write us any more fan fiction, I promise it will be read in a much more timely manner from here on out. And we will continue if you send us fan fiction. We will read it at the top of the show so that it's the first thing that people have to hear when they find this show on <laughs> iTunes. Think about that. I thought that was really tasteful. Yeah, I thought that was... Uh, that pretty much encapsulates the show. And what we are, right? Yeah, I think that that pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head. We really don't have to do another show, ever. <laughs> well, that what is this episode 90, or was that last week? I think that was last week. I think we're on 91. We're approaching 100 huh. in such wonderful fashion. As we approach the road to 100, what's going to be the big surprise? The biggest party of the autumn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. We're back. I guess this is as good a time as any. Uh, 
If you haven't already, if you like that hot intro there, hop on iTunes, give us five stars, leave us a nice review. And if you do that, we'll talk about something that you want us to talk about on the show. Garrett, uh, this we've got a lot to talk about today. And I, I kind of forewarned you before we started. You're getting angry, Derek, today, so you should be even more impressed with that performance I just put on. Yeah, I honestly, I didn't think, I really thought that was not going to make it into this week's episode again, because you warned me already that you were coming in hot, and I am a little worried. I'm a little worried that people are going to, you know, be afraid that we just hate stuff now. All the time. You're, are you are you actually worried about that, or is it just like uh, you being self conscious that somebody's going to say like, "Oh God, another wrestling podcast where they're negative." I mean, you know, that's always a fear I'm going to have. But you know what? They do you really care? No, because they really fucking deserve it this time. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy's breaking out the belt today. Someone's getting a spanking. Uh, how many episodes would you say since we we've started this show? where the, the the main event of the show has been me going on a rant about uh, something specific. I mean, fairly often, right? I mean, you know, once every few episodes, maybe once every 10. I would say, though, that, that the number of episodes we've done were like it's been a good 20, 30 minute like drubbing. <laughs> Not that many. <laughs> like, I remember we, we, we did the episode where I ripped Backlash from a year or two ago. Um, I think we ripped them on the crown jewel Saudi Arabia shows, but, uh, I mean, I, I know that we've definitely taken WWE to task in the past, but it seems like, like it's required right now. Don't you think? But really whose fault is it? We can't, you, we can't expect WWE to not be WWE. Yeah, we can. We're, we're totally allowed to do that. But are we, we should be held at fault for getting our expectations, higher or just different than they should have been. I don't think it's unreasonable to ask somebody you've been giving your money to, to provide a satisfactory product. But when they've not been giving us a satisfactory product for so long, what have they learned that we'll keep giving them the money anyway? Well, so we, we do want to get into this week's AEW. I'm sure you have some other things that you would like to talk about, but I'm diving right into it this week because I, I hyped it up on Twitter that I was going to give WWE a tongue lashing, so I'm, we're getting into it. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them to death. That's the tongue lashing says. sound effect. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it also sounds like the noise uh, Jizz makes when he does the, the, the caterpillar, right? That's what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, That's his, his body bounces off the mat. That's just his organs squishing around. Don't try to be silly right now. I'm mad. I know you're mad. I got to. Well, I one of us has to not be mad. <laughs> Are you nervous? I am nervous. Is like is dad getting ready to, to explode at the dinner table and you're like thinking about going to your room like right now. I'm trying to break the tension by making some jokes and some silly noises. And uh, yeah, everybody knows you're about to throw a chair. <laughs> yeah, that's that's essentially what's about to happen. So, look, um, I think one of the weird things about like the way the week is broken up now, as far as pro wrestling goes, it's so weird because we get done watching uh, AEW on a Wednesday night and we immediately go into this podcast and we do have the option of watching AEW and NXT, which is undisputedly WWE's best brand. Wink, wink. Um, what it does mean is that we get to go through Friday night, SmackDown and raw 
and then have a lot of time to sit on that before we record on a Wednesday. Um, so we've had plenty of time. I, like, honestly, I don't even know what you have and haven't watched. I kind of did my damnedest to talk you out of watching SmackDown from last week. You sent me a text and said, please do not watch it. And then I was getting ready to text back. I really want to watch it now. And you immediately text back before I ever got a chance. I know this is going to make you really want to watch it, but take my word for me and don't. <laughs> it's just, and I know how you operate. And, and I've, I think I just called you out on the show last week for this. It's like when WWE gets it, it's most boring or it's most pointless and it hits rock bottom and people dip out and they're like, um, I'm going to take a couple weeks off. Next thing I know, we show up to do the show a couple days later, and you've been watching. <laughs> and, I, and I don't understand it, and it's infuriating. It's, it's that whole, you know, your favorite band gets popular, you don't like them anymore, and then when nobody gives a shit, suddenly their, their music's the best ever effect. It's how it feels. I know that's not what it actually is. but uh, I liked Roman Reigns when he wasn't cool. <laughs> the thing is... <laughs> You liked Roman Reigns when he legitimately was cool the first time, and then he became not cool, and you didn't like him, and then he became, like, I don't know, you've been you've been pretty on, on point with Roman Reigns up to this point in his career. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Fine, but... You've done well. Well, okay, what's WWE doing that's so bad right now that... <laughs> You're such a dickhead. <laughs> For, for trying to play fucking Barbara Walters on this shit. Like, you don't know. Like, you haven't heard. Even if you haven't fucking watched, I'm sure you've you've read enough or, or heard enough complaints from people up to this point. Um, so, week two of their big show, Friday Night SmackDown, which, by the way, is their, their it's supposed to be their A show now. It's their flagship brand because they're on Fox. Um and they're starting up the draft, and it's supposed to be a two-night event on Fox and then following up another night on Raw. And the show's supposed to kick off with Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns, and the winner of this match gets to represent their brand, and whoever wins, gets their brand gets the number one pick, right? Okay. And during the match, they have the audacity <laughs> to suggest... <laughs> This is this might be the last time that we see Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins fight each other. Just just fucking twisting the knife like there's some seven-year-old at home going turn into his dad going, "Really? Oh no, I got to watch this for sure." Uh, well, and, you know when you're bringing in the 2004 Summer Olympics gymnastics team to uh fill in the rest of the roster. There's not enough time for Roman and Seth anymore. Please keep those other athletes jokes going for weeks. Just keep them coming. If there's any kind of vague athlete reference you can make that the, talking about them jumping up on WWE programming, keep it coming cuz that'll never not be on point. It's like they don't know me. <laughs> they that's the thing. I think it's fair to say they don't. But so we've got a match here that, that they've been hyping up on social media. And during the match, like, this this determines who gets the number one pick. This is significant. And I turn to my roommate, Chris, and I say to him, well, they're on. They're doing this on SmackDown, right? So it only makes sense that SmackDown's probably going to get the number one pick, despite the fact that, you know, it's 
SmackDown gets two picks, Raw gets three picks because of the length of the show, which is not SmackDown's fault. So I don't even understand why they would adhere adhere to those rules to begin with. But um, keep in mind, up to this point, who's making these picks? I, There's no I, general managers. I didn't watch, but okay. Was there who came out and announced the the picks? So here's how this works. <laughs> First of all, Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns. They're having an, like an okay whatever. We've seen this before match. <laughs> the fiend in the middle of the match emerges from under the ring, like cuts it open, pulls Seth Rollins in with like a mandible claw. They're gone for maybe 15 seconds, and then Seth Rollins emerges back through the hole, choking and gagging and whatever, and then the fiend pokes his little head out and gives kind of like a devilish coy <laughs> expression, like, he 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 he, look what I did. And then the lights go out, and then next thing you know, the fiend's on the stage looking back at the ring, trying to be all sinister and shit, and then we go to commercial break, and I'm sitting there like, so what happened? Like <laughs> they, the bell never rang. So we come back from break and it's just accepted like, well, since Bray Wyatt attacked Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins was representing Raw, Raw gets the number one pick <laughs> because of disqualification. <laughs> they just accept it. This was there was this huge principle set that, you know, this is a big deal. This is for the number one pick. And then once again, just ends in a DQ. And by the way, Raw gets the pick because a raw guy attacked a raw guy. Well, hey, you know, so it's it, the champion rules, you know? Champion's no. advantage. SmackDown's just pissed drink, they didn't how... think of it first. Yeah, I, I guess I'm pissed. I didn't think to tune out before this happened. <laughs> um, so, so who was the I'm first like, pick? I don't, fuck, I don't even remember. It, oh, it was, it was Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch was the first pick going to Raw. So they did like a... And so you asked who, who makes the picks, right? Literally, here's the format. Stephanie McMahon walks out to the stage and reads five names. This is the pick for Raw. This is the pick for SmackDown. This is the pick for Raw. This is the pick for SmackDown. This is the pick for Raw. There's your first round. And did There's the crowd go wild picks. at the reading? No, nobody really. I mean, I'm sure they popped for Becky Lynch, but here's the other thing. They did this thing where they had like this, like parts of the roster put into what they called pools. And on night one of the draft, only like half the roster was available to be drafted. I I don't understand. <laughs> like they overcomplicated a situation that didn't need to be overcome because I think they were trying to find some way to get around the fact that that this is stupid sense. <laughs> well well but here's the thing if you're if you're building a brand even theoretically you definitely draft the first pick you do is you draft a champion right like the first two picks theoretically would have to be Rollins and Lesnar you would get you would want free for all yeah right <laughs> well they they found a way around that where they're just like those guys aren't available tonight like they're not available, so, like they're not here, or you're just not allowed for some arbitrary you're just reason. <laughs> not allowed to until you turn turn into raw. Then then suddenly they're available. Um What number was Larry so Bird how... drafted? Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um 
I, I'll be honest with you. There was a point halfway into this show. Uh, by the way, this format continued the whole night where, where people got. And here's the, this is the other thing. This is an important part that I think has already been overlooked. So when they put out a press release for this draft, they listed all these names of here's some of the superstars who are available that can get picked to a different show or whatever, whatever. I swear to God, Garrett, this isn't going to be news to everybody, but we kind of got to mention it. The list of superstars that they had in the press release was the draft order. <laughs> they leaked. They leaked the draft order in a press release like earlier in the day or the day before. Somebody just copied and I pasted snorted. the script. Ugh. They copied and pasted the goddamn script of what was going to happen into a press release. Somebody done fucked up. That's amazing. I tuned out. I fucking tuned out of this show. Because every time it, it is, this is the, the, the fucking the cherry on top of the shit Sunday. They cut to these backstage war rooms where it's like, here's the Fox war room for their draft picks. And they've got like the NFL robot football guy in there and some execs. And then they've got the <laughs> USA Network. Room, which just for some reason cast. has a guy with a it's just the cast of that 70s show and that nfl robot cheering <laughs> that they got roman reigns <laughs> fucking peter griffin's in there <laughs> and every time they make a pick it cuts to these rooms and the acting is just the worst and it's cheesy and every time there's a pick the the room erupts and cheers and applause that they got their person that they wanted and it's it's just so, so it's a fake that. room of executives that we do not know? Correct. It's a room of actors pretending to be executives, pretending to react to draft picks that they don't know. <laughs> and to top it all off, mixed in with this show, <laughs> I, I'm going to give you all the juicy details. I'm not done, Garrett, so I hope, I hope you're in for the long oh, I'm, I'm, I have my legs crossed. I'm comfortable. Let's do this. Good. Do you have a claw with you? I've been sipping a ruby grapefruit this entire time. Good. You're going to need more than one. So, I, I'm sitting there watching the show with Chris, and he, at some point after they do, because here's the thing, they're mixing in these segments where they're like, let's go to the Fox NFL analysts and see what they think about the WWE draft. And then they go ask, like, Terry Bradshaw and fucking Michael Strahan <laughs> how, like, they feel, like, who would be their number one draft pick in WWE? And they're like, oh, my God. You mean that guy that took Regis's Hulk spot Hogan. on Regis and, Ka Regis and Kathy Lee? God, ye goddamn right. I like him. See, now they're starting yeah. to pull people that I know. <laughs> You're a butthole. And Terry um, Bradshaw from that Matthew McConaughey movie, uh, Failure to Launch? So, Hell yeah. So... Sometime be between this and then another appearance by Kane Velasquez hyping up their Halloween match in the middle of the day on the WWE Network, because that's what we're calling it. It's fucking Saudi Arabia Halloween havoc that nobody gives a shit about. He turns to me and he says, so I guess WWE's just not into pro wrestling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I had literally been thinking this the whole time. I was just like. Like, in all seriousness, I think the thing that rubs me maybe the wrong way the most is there was a point where I legitimately felt embarrassed. 
like I felt embarrassed to have ever been associated with this company because what they were forcing people to do is pretend to care. They were going and getting the Terry Bradshaws and some of these sports analysts and asking them, what do you think about this? As if though they all fucking care and watch WWE and making them give me their thoughts on something that, that just the network is doing and putting on their programming and making them pretend to put on a show for me like I care and like they care and like the network actually once thinks there's any crossover here. And it was just like, this isn't, this could be something completely different. Like I'm okay with some of the crossover stuff to, like for at the beginning of all this, I understand that's part of the process, but fuck, it was embarrassing between those war room segments and watching people condescend and laugh about how goofy W. I mean, it was them laughing at professional wrestling while trying to sell professional wrestling to an audience. I I hate that. <laughs> I That makes me feel sad. It, it, it was enough to make me tune out. And I can tell you this much. I didn't watch raw. I didn't watch a single second of raw had no interest in it. Uh, I, I guess theoretically I could have, but I think I, I think I was more interested in watching a hockey game. <laughs> so, um, I guess what I'm getting at here is uh, between that and then the news breaks that after four months, WWE has parted ways with Eric Bischoff. <laughs> I, I mean, is that a good or a bad thing? So there's there's nothing good about it. There's nothing good about it? No. For who? Think the fans it, or for... Think about it. Four months ago, the owner of a company said, we're making this really big move to this big network. There's going to be a boom period coming up for this company. We need to make a move for somebody who's going to matter and be important and can help us. And they chose Eric Bischoff. And I gave it a chance and said, hey, maybe bringing in an outside perspective of somebody who used to be pretty good at this will help. Maybe a lot of other people didn't have any enthusiasm for it at all. I know a lot of people didn't. But the idea was there. The boss made that call. The Vince McMahon hired Eric Bischoff thinking this will help. And four months later was like, ah, I was wrong. He's out of here. Like two shows in, they did two episodes of SmackDown and then we're like, this is on Eric. He's out of here. Depending upon the reports you read, like some people said that Eric wasn't doing much. Some people said that, you know, they didn't, you're hearing things that some people didn't like working under him. Some people said he was in catering all the time. I don't know what to believe. And I guess maybe eventually the truth will come out. What I do know is let me ask you, Garrett, as, as you have stated earlier in this rant, since we're so used to WWE being what it is, do you really believe that over the last four months, Vic, Vince McMahon gave Eric Bischoff a, legit, a legitimate shot at changing the WWE product. I have a hard time thinking that Eric Bischoff's solution to all of this was to bring in a bunch of bring in a bunch of sports stars. But then again, he was the guy that brought in Carl Malone and Dennis Correct. Rodman. But do you but doesn't this also stink just as much of Vince McMahon? Like this is his idea of what pro wrestling is. Right now, I I don't know, after Hell in a Cell and just 
what's happening. I feel like I'm in that part of WCW when it was like getting really shitty, but also that same part of WWE a couple years ago when it was like the gender Mahal times when it got pretty shitty there too. It's like a, a good combination of the two biggest shitties combined well, into I mean, one. Let's, <laughs> let's recap in, in a span of like, like what now, like a month, the Hell in a Cell thing happened with, with Bray Wyatt. I mean, they've completely fucked Rollins. I did hear that at the end of the show, Rollins burned down the... Um, <laughs> he the, burned the, down his dressing room because he's like... I'm... He burned down the Firefly Funhouse set. And the crowd was booing him. And some people were trying to rationalize it and be like, oh, it's the double turn. And now the Fiend is the babyface and Seth Rollins is is the heel. That's giving them a lot of credit <laughs> that they don't deserve, that they didn't think, oh, no, the crowd's going to totally be into this. Like, between Kofi dropping the belt as quickly as he did, between Hell in a Cell ending the way that it did, between... The, Garrett, they lost 1.1 million viewers between week one of SmackDown and, one, and week two. I, they lost over a third of their audience. I was one of them. I mean, I watched, but I didn't watch for more than a, a little bit. Is it? Well, I, it sounds like you didn't like being treated like an idiot. Yeah. It sounded like Terry Bradshaw came in and hurt your feelings and you ran away. I just realized that if, if because, I mean, there were reports that at the end of Hell in a Cell, the way that match ended and the way the crowd reacted, there were reports that we don't know were true that Vince McMahon was backstage laughing at how angry the crowd was because he thought it was hilarious. That is a fucking madman. <laughs> Two days earlier, maybe one of the most pivotal moments in his company's history, he has a debut on Fox. That's supposed to elevate his company to the next level. And two days later, he has the crowd chanting that they want refunds, chanting the, the letters of a, a rival promotion. And to him, it's just like, oh, I really got him this time, didn't I? <laughs> he needs to learn. But the thing is, once again, I think we are all a little to blame here. I don't I mean, maybe this is a little victim blaming, but we keep coming back. And we, That's true. we never left. Like what? Maybe there have been two times that I've canceled my account and then within two months had it again. So I'm canceling my account and this time definitely feels different. <laughs> I, I, I legitimately feel like emotionally exhausted and I don't have to just eat shit anymore and take it because I've got another show I can watch. Like, they're fumbling the ball, if I can make a sports reference in the middle of this now sports show that WWE is running. I like that we're the ones that are like, quit, quit fucking doing all these sports things. And then they're like, dude, two months ago, you were talking hockey every single episode. <laughs> well, but there's a difference. That's on our terms. <laughs> like, we're allowed to have lives beyond this, but like, fuck, man. I don't know. I, I'm getting my wrestling fix from AEW. WWE picked a really shitty time to fail this hard. And no, we shouldn't be surprised. And yes, you are right that we are partially to blame 
for all of the times that they have been horrible and then done whatever little thing they can to draw attention to themselves and get us to come back. That said, we don't have to do that anymore. And there were people after I was so fucking pissed. I mean, this was just as much a factor as anything. I was so pissed when I saw the reaction, like the universal unanimous reaction on Twitter from people at the end of hell in a cell ripping the end of that show and how shitty it was and how fucked up they bungled the, the fucking fiend saying this is whatever I'm fucking done. And then there were people pointing out, you know, the best way to send the message is to not tune in tomorrow to raw. And then you fucking hop on social media the next day and people are talking about the show and how it opens with Bobby Lashley continuing his whole thing with Lana and fucking Rusev. Like, the fuckers, like, these, again, when we started this podcast, I took on, like, the perception that I was going to be the guy that was the WWE guy. Within almost two years, I'm, I'm calling him out. Like, I can't defend this shit. They don't give a fuck about pro wrestling anymore. They have a roster full of talented fucking people, and they're asking a boxer and a former UFC guy to come in and save their show to take it to the next level. And they did it blatantly at the expense of one of their best positive fucking stories in years in Kofi Kingston. They just chucked that aside in seven seconds. See, when I see that happen, and I look at the people that are on their roster, I think, like why do I need to invest my time in caring about these people? Cause I'm just going to be sad. Yes. My favorite characters are stuck in limbo. It's like, you know, I'd, <laughs> I'm hoping this, uh, Rob Pattinson Batman movie is going to be my Batman savior, but like, <laughs> but DC's making some stinkers, <laughs> you know? And I, I, right. I always like DC quite a bit. So this is kind of that same thing. Like, what do I, who do I want to tune in for to watch lose to, uh, Fucking Phil Mickelson or whatever. This is going to get I, harder I think, as I try and pull sports references. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, though, is that like there's always something that in your back of your mind keeps you coming back, right? They have the, like there, there's somebody that you want to see succeed. There's a lot of people I want to see succeed over there. I mean, nearly everyone. They have one of the best roster rosters in fucking wrestling. I would argue they have the best roster in wrestling. If you just combined all three brands, all of the talent they have, and just understand that they could do whatever they wanted with with that talent, they could do anything. They could have any number of shows that they wanted. They could have, you know, the, the whatever the four that they have between two hundred five live NXT SmackDown and, and Raw, or they could have one or two, and they could do they. Could, there's no excuse. There's no. Like, well, they have to operate within these con like they could do whatever the fuck they want, and this is what they choose to do month in, month out, week in, week out. Have you and- s- have you seen anything though from fans that because you know, WWE still has its diehard fans, but are those people starting to finally look at other stuff? I think I have seen and, and again, I just got done ripping Twitter's reaction to Hell in a Cell. I did see some people who are typically like the always positive, always there to give WWE the benefit of the doubt. Those people are cracking. Like somebody, our good, our good friend, Andrew, Andrew H I'll say, you know who I'm talking Andrew. about. 
Yes. <laughs> I was I was trying not to out the full name, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Garrett. Look up Andrew Hindren in, in, in the phone book and find where he lives and harass him. That's fine. Don't do that. He made the great point the other day online that, that like, as popular as WCW Nitro was and as popular as the whole Monday Night War situation was, it proved one thing, which is that on a long enough timeline, if fans are given the option to choose between something shitty that they've been loyal to for a long time or something that's new, that's better, that after a while they gravitate towards the thing that's better. And that, and I, and I can totally relate to that. I was a WCW guy until it just became too much to make excuses for not as entertaining. And somebody like the rock stepped in and pulled me away and I never went back. And then they never, they, they ceased to exist. I'm not saying that's going to happen with WWE, but I can tell you out of all the times I've kind of despaired about this company, it's always been despair with nowhere else to go. It's like a shitty fucking relationship that you're trying to get out of and you're trying to find the perfect, like, whatever to convince yourself, like, oh, I'm done this time. But this time I legitimately have another option. <laughs> and it's it's gotten so bad that I don't even feel guilty about not watching NXT. Well, you, what I was really getting ready to say was after all the sports stuff and I started thinking and realizing they don't. They don't know me. They don't know what I want to watch or they're just trying to market to somebody who isn't me, which is also fine. I don't have to watch this, but they still have that thing where they're like, Hey, Garrett, Keith Lee and Donovan Dijak are, uh, are headlining over on NXT. Remember when you jizzed your pants over them a, a couple years ago? Well, we got it over here. Do you want to watch it? I actually did not tune in tonight. That being said, I'm going to fucking tune in and watch that match later. But I decided <laughs> but I decided that I wanted to give AEW my full attention. I wanted to they, I wanted to sit there and enjoy it. They deserve it too. And and I think there is something on maybe it's on a subconscious level. It's because I know that they moved NXT from the network to USA to respond to AEW. Like there's something about it where like and somebody made the great point the other day, all NXT is doing is they are being a, a borderline bulletproof vest for WWE to take the heat off of the fact that AEW is better than Raw and SmackDown. That's all it is. They can, they can throw up and say, well, look, we have our superior product on Wednesday nights. Why aren't you watching that? Look at how good it is. Isn't this what you want? Meanwhile, they don't have to change a single fucking thing on Mondays and Fridays. Because now they have, I mean, you know fucking Paul's going to make that argument at some point and be like, people liked it when it was on the network, why aren't you guys watching now? And to be fair, people are watching. It is doing a number. I think that I would be shocked if I found out that for the third week in a row, AEW didn't spank NXT, though. And that's the show, that's WWE's pro wrestling show. When I I had it on for just a second at the very beginning, and I saw that it op- that NXT opened with Champa, and it was kind of hard for me to be like, I don't want to give this my full attention right now. But then all I could think about was when they showed me Tyson Fury on TV, and I didn't know who that was. How left out I felt in my own show. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like you and I pay a hell of a lot of attention to a lot of different wrestling. And when a face pops up that I don't know, it makes me, uh, gives me anxiety. I'm like, who the fuck is this tall man? Am I supposed to know this tall man? I felt this. I mean, that's, I think we both felt the same way on Friday Night SmackDown that first week where there were two guys that showed up that I was like, what, who, what, what is this? It's like you, oh. a friend that's been been a great friend for you for years, comes over to the house and brings some new friends, and you realize, yeah. oh man, I'm not very excited to hang out with these friends, but it seems like their they're going to be Their friends are here. not exactly my taste. <laughs> like, we're friends, but their friends are not my friends. Uh, like, the friends that are coming in, it's like, well, their friends are the ones that make fun of me for my friends. <laughs> I want you to join in me, join, join in with me for at least for a moment. Talk to me about that specifically. What, what is it like with them bringing in the outside athletes? That's just like, 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 like the thing about it is like, you've been making jokes about this for weeks now, just about bringing in sports people because they're on Fox. (laughs) It fuck. I don't. I just lost my full train of thought. Goddamn. Well, but because because here's the thing. I made this point. Somebody had posted uh, again. I'm I'm on this wonderful podcast we have. I'm going to reference an anonymous tweet, and I can't even remember the name. Somebody was like, "Don't act like you don't know who Tyson Fury and Cain Velasquez are. You guys live under a rock if you don't know who the fuck they are." And I fucking quote tweeted that motherfucker, and I was like, "Look, I keep up with the sports world somewhat." Like more than I would, I would argue that I keep up with the sports world more than the average wrestling fan. Was that would that be fair to say, Gary? I think that's pretty accurate. I had no fucking clue who either of those guys were when they showed up on my TV. So at best, they are B-list or C-list sports stars. This is not Mike Tyson. It's not Floyd Mayweather. It's not Conor McGregor. Don't. <laughs> There's some crossover there. I get it. If you're really into boxing and boxing is not as big as it used to be, you like, oh shit, Tyson Fury's doing WWE shit now. Let's go watch this goofy shit and how it's nothing. Like the people that they're trying to bring in are definitely not going to like what they see. Like when they see Tyson Fury fighting the Fiend, how's that going to sit with them? I don't think that them seeing Tyson Fury fight Braun Strowman is going to sit with them at all. Because they're not going to tune in. And that's in. what they're actually... Because it's not fucking real. And it's, it's happening... It's the primary reason. And it's happening at noon on a Thursday. <laughs> I just... You seemed... Like, you've been ramming it into their... Ramming it into the fucking ground. Like, well, this idea of, like, we'll make it better by bringing in outside athletes. Then they'll take us seriously. Why do they think that that's the part that we're attached to? Like, I mean, we're watching something that is essentially comic books mixed with sports. Because, here's the thing. Because in some ways it has worked in the past. It worked with Ronda Rousey. It worked with Mike Tyson. This isn't that. (laughs) And it shouldn't... It shouldn't be the main selling point of a show. That's the other thing in all this we're not even talking about. Who gives a shit about another Saudi Arabia Arabia show? Like, I can almost guarantee you that the reason Bischoff got fired was because they lost 1.1 million viewers between week one and week two of SmackDown. And the Fox executives probably asked Vince McMahon, what the fuck happened? And rather than admit, 
oh, my audience really doesn't care about Tyson Fury and Cain Velasquez or the way that we had, you know, our fucking WWE champion get jobbed out to a part-timing former UFC guy that they're already fed up with. Uh, let's just make Bischoff the scapegoat. I think that's what I think happened. Isn't Fox just as much as at fault for this, for not fucking checking? Like if they had asked any number of wrestling fans, wouldn't they know that most think this sucks? Let's, you know how this shit works. Cause we made it clear that we've watched this shit for a long time and keep coming back for more. The rumor going into the SmackDown premiere for months was that Fox wanted a show that was more athletic and more geared towards being a real sport. I thought they meant New Japan. (laughs) I thought they meant NXT New Japan. You know Vince McMahon heard that and thought, oh, they want us to bring in athletes from outside. Fuck, I didn't even think about that. Don't you, don't, that is exactly how he misinterprets shit. God damn it, Derek. God damn it. You're right. You're right. He heard the exact wrong thing. Honest to God, I really thought we were going to get New Japan Smackdown. And you're making me realize that he's like, well, we just need cameos from real athletes. So this week uh, we got a fucking tag team and you have to tag with Jeff Gordon. NASCAR on Fox. (laughs) Suck my dick. (laughs) It's Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper and Jeff Gordon taking on. Oh, by the way, the Usos. Didn't get drafted. They're keeping them off TV because of all the personal shit with the DUIs and Naomi and all that stuff. What did Naomi um, do? I think that she's like had enough and is kind of stressed out about it. I mean, I can only speculate because they're not saying anything, but she's not on TV either. And Mike Kanellis so, has asked for his release again. Mike, <laughs> after just signing an extension, <laughs> like a three-year extension... Now he wants out. And and the funny thing is, and, and, and I support Mike Kanellis fully. I support anybody who has the balls to say, I want out. I really do. That said, this motherfucker was on social media, quote tweeting and, and replying and engaging fans who were asking him, what the fuck are you doing? They're, they're, you're not going to go anywhere here. They're not going to use you. And he was doing his positive spin shit. Like, you don't know, man, like, like I need financial security or like you like opportunities here. I got to put in the effort. And then here he is a little while later going, yeah, that's not happening. Do you you think after he signed that contract and he was like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm going to something good's happened today. And he goes into Vince's office and is like, what's the story? And he's like, well, listen, listen here, Mike, you're a fucking loser. That's the story. You are a loser and people are going to pity you. And he, yeah, that uh, you make that you you make that joke, but that actually <laughs> sounds probably about what happened. He's like, don't don't no 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 no. I know your face looks sad. Your face looks sad right now. But let me tell you one more thing. This might put it over the edge for you. Also, your cum doesn't work. <laughs> and somebody got your wife pregnant. How does that feel? How does that feel? Does that feel? You're. I own you. I own you, Canellis. <laughs> And again, the, the rumor out there is that the morale backstage has never been lower. And we've heard many reports over the last couple of years that the morale has been low. So that says something. What was that, Lashley? Um, now your cum doesn't work. And your cum doesn't work. <laughs> it's just the whole story. 
It's just a whole story. You come in and compl- Luke Harper, go. Oh, you're on thin ice, bud. Jizz, your cum works. We get it. We get it. We can't take that away. We from will you. never take I don't, that. I don't think you can name this episode. Your cum doesn't work, though. <laughs> so don't don't try. I don't know if uh, the sites that let you upload this podcast will let you put the word cum in the uh, in the title. <laughs> but what do I know? I'm just a guy ranting and raving about WWE. Bischoff, uh, you're fired. And guess what? Your cum doesn't even work. <laughs> and the thing is, I do feel like regardless, I guess, like I said, we'll find out some more details down the road, I'm sure. He moved his whole family. He had a ranch in Cody, Wyoming. Gorgeous. Spent all this money, like put his life there, and then got the offer from WWE and sold all of that. He sold it and moved across the country, moving all of his shit in a big long drive. And then four months later, Vince was like, "Eh, nah, go home. Your cum doesn't work." <laughs> I'm just picturing Mike Canellis like sulking back to Impact, and Don Callis putting his arms out to give him a hug and just saying. Your cum works, buddy. Your cum works just fine. (laughs) Uh. Put it to you this way. Put it to you this way. It's been so bad for Mike Bennett that Jim Cornette had a post the other day defending him and saying he should should sue WWE for creative damages. (laughs) Well, goddamn, they went went on there, and all I know about the goddamn guys that his cum don't work. We don't have to talk about this anymore. I, I think I've got most of it out. I just, I think nothing's ever for sure, but like I have no motivation to watch WWE right now. I really don't. And I don't feel guilty about it. I literally just feel emotionally exhausted. I don't think betrayed is the right word because again, I, I've been down this road so many times before. I'm just, I'm, I'm pissed and I know they can do better. And the idea that this fucking guy who just got this billion dollar deal with Fox for his show hasn't learned shit. Wait, why do you think you know that they can do better? Because again, Oh no, let me clarify what I I mean. Like (laughs) I, if Vince isn't there, I know they can do better. I have honestly, like I don't have hope for them. How many shows have I been to? Do you understand what I mean when I'm saying that? Like, I think they can be better without Vince. Oh yes. No, I anyone disagree with that. No, no, no. I totally get that. It's just, how much can they fuck this company up and how, like, I think they've hit the breaking point for you. I didn't know if we'd ever get here, Derek. If, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that we would get here either. And I, I it's a, a lot of stars have aligned to make this possible. Three weeks of AEW has convinced me that like, I would rather watch Darby Allen every night do skateboard shit before I would tune in for, to see fucking Bobby Lashley in a significant role on a show in WWE. Okay, go ahead. And you know what? Since you mentioned Darby, put Darby over. How fucking good was the main event of that AEW show? Darby Allen's cum works. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) This is a new thing that we have found. Um, Uh. Honest to God, week three AEW, the show just keeps on rolling. Um. 
I, I mean, I thought that match between Britt Baker and Riho was fan-fucking-tastic. They finally I, sold me on Riho, for sure. Did they? Were you skeptical? I, do, I wasn't skeptical, but I just still needed that thing to, like, kind of see a little more character come out of her to, like, kind of see what it was. And the moment that I was like, oh, Riho, me and you, me and you, we're a team now was when she gave Britt Baker a double stomp to the stomach. It looked gross. It looked like it hurt so bad. And then she put her hands over her mouth and giggled after she did it. And I was like, that's the creepiest shit I've ever seen. That's my girl. I thought the the knees and the double stomp. And then I thought the spot where she was getting covered and she did that like bridge slide out from under Britt Baker was wicked. Yeah. Okay. How do you think Britt Baker's looking? Um, we're going to get more character development next week because they're, they have a spot on the show reserved for the fact that Britt Baker's in her hometown of Pittsburgh. So I think she looks fantastic. See, I actually think they need to get the belt off Riho quickly and get it to Britt Baker and Britt Baker needs to go full fledged heel. I don't think Britt Baker is ring ready enough to be the champion. I disagree. I don't know. There were a couple, especially if she's a heel. There were just a few things that I thought looked like a little too sloppy. Do you know that that was on her though? Some of it to me looked like it was, it was kind of like, I don't know. I would have to go back and watch again. I didn't see anything that was alarming. I thought she was fine. I was getting like some Brandy Rhodes a year ago vibes. Maybe I, I didn't see anything too alarming. Maybe she's not completely polished yet, but again, storytelling purposes, she's like one of the bigger names on that, in that women's division. And it's difficult if they're going to keep the, we don't know what they're going to do. I'm not even going to speculate because AEW has established that they'll pull the rug out from under you at a given moment. I just think that they're prepared to give Jericho a nice long reign with the title and they're about to crown new tag team champions, I can see that women's belt not staying on, on Riho for very long. Um, we'll see. We also haven't gotten but a I, ton of character development from the women's division or any of the divisions yet. Like, everything we know about these characters, for the most part, has just been in ring. Correct. So Correct. And, and some of that's good, too, because it is different than what WWE does. Like, tonight... The show opened with another hot tag match, just like last week. Good God, man. That tag match to open the show was so good. With, with storytelling, the fact that they opened the match with SCU getting jumped by the Lucha Brothers and taking out Christopher Daniels, and then having Scorpio Sky replace Christopher Daniels, but in like fucking pants and one shoe and one sock. Yeah. Oh, man. I was so excited for Scorpio Sky. He looked so good coming out there tonight. And then when I immediately when I realized they were fighting best friends, I was no longer excited because I knew what that meant for Chuck Taylor. <laughs> you felt bad? Well, immediately I was just like, oh, man, Scorpio Sky looks like the fucking man. If he if they win this match, he's going to look cool as shit. And then when I realized, oh, no, best friends. Yeah, you're probably going to take well, this one. But to be fair, I thought everyone in this match looked like a superstar. Oh my god! Like they everybody they put got cheered. Everyone over in this match. Like there was a moment where Scorpio Sky was getting cheered so much, and then just a few seconds later, he was getting booed because he broke up the hug. <laughs> right. And there was. I think. Yeah. 
the fan engagement into AEW is kind of what makes it such a good show. Um, they're hot for every character on that show, or at least at least most of them to this point. I've been iffy on best friends and whether or not I thought they would actually work as a as like a tag team. Not because they didn't work on the end, but just like would people care? Like would they be able to be stars as a tag team in AEW? And I that solidified it for me tonight. They're gonna be just fine. Especially if they've got some nice storyline shit to work with backstage with Orange Cassidy. Which they're gonna be just fine. When are we gonna start working him into this too? Do you think they're going to really Again, hold out for us on that one? Take take your time. Cassidy's still working the indies. He's still getting paid. And it does make me happy to tune in every week and see a kid dressed up as little orange Cassidy sitting ringside. Yeah, it's going to be <sighs> fun finding out who the uh, normal ringside regulars are going to be. Yeah. They are... Uh... I think in December they're working Champaign, Illinois. Yeah, it was. <laughs> there was a moment when Jr. started talking about um, U of I, U of I football, like and I was like, "Cut it out, man! This is what got me to turn off the other one." <laughs> <laughs> Found a way to work that sports talk back into my, AEW. My my favorite uh, line from the SCU match is Chuck and Trent did a move, and Excalibur shouted, "The sexy Chucky knee." <laughs> and Tony Schiavone goes, that move is called the sexy Chuck Chucky knee. And Excalibur responds, yes. Tony just goes, yikes. <laughs> um, I will say, and, and I'll get this out of the way now because I want to stay on the positives and it didn't seem to affect you, but if I'm going to be so hard on WWE, I guess I'll throw my one criticism. This was a very tag match heavy show which is a WWE signature that sometimes wrongs me, the, rubs me the wrong way, wrongs me the rub way. Um, but the, I think the thing that negates that being a really big issue is the fact that I think all the tag matches were great. Garrett steps had, in and wrongs Derek the rub way. I had... Um, and his cum works. Can you do the movie trailer voice? While saying that? In a world filled with cum. (laughs) This podcast. I blame Vince for this. One man (laughs) comes no more. Mike Kanellis stars as... (laughs) Cucked. (laughs) Oh, God. It's like, he's coming! He's not... It's sassy. It's fun. So um, (laughs) I feel like you didn't make as big a deal of this as I did, but I texted you that tag match between Moxley and Pac and then Hangman and Kenny was so much fun for multiple reasons. Um, I really thought it showed off their star power, that match. And it was kind of cool also. And I think they touched on this on, on the broadcast team when they were talking about the elite. They were like, you know, Hangman and Kenny are both elite, but they don't typically team together. It's it's a pairing you don't haven't really seen up to this point. Dude, they looked that was good. Kind of fun. They, they looked, really, really did. There were some tag team moves they did together where they were just they were so in sync that it, I could definitely see them being a team at some point. I also thought that for a little while they made it seem like, you know, Mox and Pac were getting along, like they could work. Like they they had chemistry together. 
And I thought they did a damn good job <laughs> by the time they fucking uh, had that showdown with, with, Ken- with Kenny with the barbed wire wrapped broom and Mox with the barbed wire wrapped bat. And they meet in the ring, by the way, uh, Pac runs in the ring to stop Mox from hitting Kenny with the bat because he doesn't want the DQ. Because think about it, wins and Pac losses matters. Yeah, Pac was undefeated going into this. That's true. Does that Not, and did he he took the pin? He took the pin. Oh shit! It means something here, Garrett. <laughs> and that's I, crazy that we, you don't want to lose. We watched. A man on TNT give two middle fingers to another wrestler, and then hit him with the with the death death rider. I wanted to say night rider. Is it the D- shit? What do they call that thing now? Because they, god damn it, uh, the paradigm shift. Yes, correct. I, god damn, it's had three different names. So, well, the only reason I remember that is before AEW came on, I watched the Janela Kenny match. And in that Janela Kenny match, towards the end of it, uh, Kenny starts doing Moxley's Moxley's, Moxley's moves. Yeah. yeah, and uh, God damn, dude! I just saw those two on jump dumping each other on their necks and onto onto weapons. <laughs> that match <laughs> just was beating the shit out of each other. They had a thirty minute hardcore dark match. What the fuck are they doing over there? Like that was the main event for an arena and it was truly a main event. Like those people saw something special. And I like that. I don't think, I mean, I've never seen Kenny in a hardcore match prior to this and seeing him take table spots. Kenny took every table that he fell through upside down. So he was landing on the metal. That's nasty. They were both That's like, awesome. You can't sit here and lie to me and tell me it doesn't make you nervous that Kenny Omega's career could end in a dark match, essentially. I'm more worried, honestly, about Joey Janela. The guy can wrestle really well, and when I heard he was wrestling Kenny, I thought, oh shit, they're going to actually give him, like, since it's on this dark thing, maybe they'll let him have a regular wrestling match and show that he can hang with Kenny Omega. But it was a hardcore match again, and... I wonder how sad that's starting to make Janela because they're going to fucking kill that guy before he gets a chance to be famous. Do you think he's really sad when those paychecks are clearing? It doesn't sound like he even cashes any of them. He's talked about that for years now that he just throws all these paychecks in a drawer and doesn't cash anything. Well, that's stupid. Like, put it this way. I mean, over the weekend... I don't believe that, first of all. How's he getting around the country if he's not making money? He is making money. He just, like, keeps it in a drawer. He doesn't have a bank account. He lives with his mom. Like, you know... they're not paying him in cash, Garrett. (laughs) Like, if they're checks, they... Like, you can't just keep them in a drawer. I mean, he should at least get a bank account so he can scan that and put it in his phone. Yeah, I completely agree. (laughs) If he's sad, it's almost his own fault. Makes if you get a nice eight thousand dollar fucking check from AEW, but fucking deposit that bitch. Seriously though, with I yes, I agree with that. But with with this match though, I really do recommend hopping on YouTube and watching this. So far, the first two episodes of AEW Dark have been awesome. It doesn't feel like a B show or anything. It just is more. And the matches are the same quality. This was an amazing 30-minute hardcore match where at one point they got the steps out. Uh, Kenny was going to give Joey the one-winged angel onto the steel steps. Joey 
fell off of him, like onto the, you know, kind of behind him. And as he landed on the steps, pulled Kenny down to the floor in a German suplex. He gave Kenny a German into the corner on a ladder. Um, Kenny gave Joey a snapdragon on the apron. At one point when Kenny did like the, you know, the Terminator flip, like the da 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 does a flip. Fucking got his legs wrapped around the uh, the barricade, landed all weird, was bleeding out of his wrist. It was gross. These two put on a match that these people were very lucky to see that was for some reason a dark match. Well, they got to have the post-show thing for the, ho- for, for the house. Like, why not? Other than the fact that your top star, could, one of your top stars can get his career ended in a hardcore match. But hey. Hey. Say la vie. Whatever. Did you see that amazing fucking video package they put together for Cody? Holy shit, it was fucking cinematic. It was absolutely cinematic. Like, we're getting the Avengers of fucking wrestling right now. We're getting production value. It felt like I was watching a real TV show. You called this a long time ago when they were hyping up that match between Cody and Dustin um, at Double or Nothing. And you said, is this, just, is this how AEW promos are going to be? Or is this how Cody promos are going to be? Where they basically make it cinematic and make it a big deal and give it good production value. And this, this had a score, Garrett. It had dramatic piano music. <laughs> like, and none of it was produced by, uh, what was the dollar sign, guys? CFO dollar <laughs> CFO sign. CFO dollar sign. <laughs> or I'm sorry, yeah, CFOs. No, I thought- I thought that was uh, fantastic, and uh, I guess let's talk about that main event, since we were talking about it earlier. Darby Allen and Jericho, um, thought they put on a hell of a show together. Did he start to win you over a little more? Because, Jesus Christ, that was, I mean, I don't think any of us thought Darby was walking out of there winning, but they did a good job of, you know, as the match went on, we were like, holy fuck, this, they could swerve me at any point. I think I was like first of all as as in relation to uh in respect to um whether or not he's winning me over my position holds firm. I'm glad he's on that show to hold down a demographic that is fucking into Darby Allen. I think he's a fine character. I think he's good at he's I think he's when I was watching him in Jericho work there were times where he was so amped up to throw <laughs> throw fists and fucking like there, I could see Jericho getting annoyed at him wanting to work a super super fast pace, and Jericho having to grab him and be like, "Dude, I'm in like fucking late forties. Slow down." I know the exact moment you're talking about. He had him in the corner, and it looked like he was just punching him straight in the face, and Jericho just like spun him around and threw him in the corner, and you could tell there was a like, "Cool it. I'm old now, man. I'm the champ, but like, you just punched me in the face." But also pacing. Like, we started this match hot. We can't just be hot the whole fucking time. See, Um, the one thing that I really respect about AEW is their ability to really follow the rules of a Philly street fight and make sure that those rope breaks happen. I was waiting to bring that up. Is, Is that the way that works? That is the only thing I can make up in my head that they could say to make up why there were rope breaks in that. Like you said, we got to be fair to both of them. We would have bitched at WWE about it too. Well, no, I'm being I'm being dead serious in that there are little intricate details in these different kinds of 
matches that like that escape me sometimes. For instance, they call certain matches no disqualification. They call certain matches no holds barred. They called certain matches uh, um, hardcore matches. They call certain matches street fights. And the same company will use all of those terms to describe what is basically like what appears to on the surface always be a no disqualification match. But I do think there are some intricacies like details that do matter into relation to that. Now I've also seen WWE just not give a shit so many times where they're in a hell in a cell. And for some reason the ropes still get you a break, but it's, I guess, I don't know. I get that it's, it's a storytelling technique involving the ropes, but you're right. It is confusing that all of a sudden you're like in a match where you're assuming there's no way the ref can, like, what's the ref going to do? Disqualify you because you're in the middle of a street fight and you wouldn't <laughs> adhere to the, the rules of the ropes. Uh, and just after he got his hands duct taped behind his back, he took so many things that I was worried he was going to break his arms doing. Yeah. I was worried about that, especially the dive on the outside where he landed like with his hands on the steel grate ramp. Jesus. He basically thinking, did a, he did a flip out of the middle rope. Yeah. And then I don't know. I, I, I thought it was a good match and you're right. And Jericho to his credit did a good job of kicking out on so many of Darby's move at the last possible second that there was the mark in you or the smark in you, I guess that was thinking, what if Jericho just, doesn't kick out <laughs> like on accident. Well, there <laughs> and Darby on national television becomes AEW champion <laughs> because of a botch. There was a moment where one of those kickouts, Jr. It sounded like he shit himself a little bit. Where he thought that Darby <laughs> was like, oh. Uh, I'd asked you this other day when you were talking about uh, Jr.'s reaction to uh, Darby, which is that, do you think? Because you said it helps having him around week in, week out, because he gets to know the talent, know their moveset, know how to you know, put them over or talk about them. Do you think that every week he gets more and more won over by this style of wrestling as opposed to what he used to do? I do like hearing him justify things or hearing like the way Excalibur can spin the way something happened to make it make more sense. And I feel right. like when that's happening, it is making the world make a little more sense to him. Or maybe he's just, he likes the paycheck and will deal with it. But but I also, I, I think that cuts both ways too, which is that he's a, he's good at making that world tie together. Yeah. I have enjoyed, I mean, I, I've enjoyed the commentary team so far. I can tell that it really is like Excalibur's, you know, the younger guy that's, and he knows the name of every goddamn move ever made. But there are times that he's having to fill both of them in on certain things that are either more current or just some of the things these wrestlers are doing. But maybe that's why they put them no, I, with him. I think I 100% think that's what it is. But I, yeah, I think the more that they watch it, I think Jim Ross will be, he'll get better with it too. I also think they're helping him in turn because he's working with two veteran pro wrestling play-by-play announcers. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like if, if, if you were going to sit under the learning tree of two people, those would be the two you'd pick, right? Oh, I, he has to be so fucking excited that that's who he's sitting between. Well, I, I, I said it before I, I'm, I'm in love with the broadcast team. Like, I mean, next, I mean, the only thing that comes close in WWE would be NXT and 
I'm not going to say a damn thing about Mauro Ronaldo because I think he's fantastic. Not everybody's cup of tea, but there was AEW's... even a Mamma Mia chant tonight. <laughs> um. So yeah, AEW is my show, and I told you this last week. And you had what was the question you asked? Like, if I had to ride with one brand, if you could, yeah, if you could only watch one wrestling promotion at this point, you just you were going to cut everything out but one. Which would you stick with? I'm taking AEW. I said it last week. I'm sticking with it this week, and there's no reason to check in with me every week until I say otherwise. Well, I thought you were asking me to repeat what I said last week. I didn't know I was going to get scolded. No, no, for no, it. no. I wasn't trying to scold you. I'm just saying that, like, I, th- I, I'm doubling down on what I said, especially in lieu of all the WWE fuck ups in the last week. I like it's just validation, and I, and I, the thing that sucks is that there's people in WWE I do have a desire to tune in just to see. Like it's like I'm sure I'm going to want to watch Raw occasionally to see KO. I'm sure I'm going to want to see um like Finn Balor. I'm sure I'm going to want to see, you know, AJ Styles at some point. But I just I'm so burnt out with being treated like an idiot. I'm so burnt out with just the way they do things and just they're they they don't change and they don't learn and they had an opportunity to do something different with this fox move and they fucking they fucked it up so where are you at with this and i'm not offended however you answer this you and i have tickets to survivor series do you still want to go right now i don't give a shit like i would have fun <laughs> going and watching wrestling with you but I like I, I still need to check off, you know, the another I have two more big the fours big four. and yeah. I've got to do it just, you know, just for bucket list shit. But I'm not like super stoked. That being said, they've got plenty of time to fix it. What, like a month? Um. <laughs> no, they don't have plenty of time to fix it. They're not going to fix. I'm looking forward to uh, NXT. I think NXT will be like, I mean, no reason to think that they won't put on a good show. They, they consistently do. Do I care about Survivor Series? Especially in lieu of the fact that they just fucking did the, the draft and they're going to do another brand versus brand Raw versus SmackDown thing. I don't, I don't care, Garrett. I think that's where I'm at. Like, I, and I'm sure that there's a possibility something could draw me back in at some point. I'm that's why I'm not making any promises on anything. But it's just like right now, like I, I've never felt as just disillusioned, and I don't feel like I need them. I don't need them anymore for pro wrestling. Oh my God, Corey and Tanya Harding has broken Nancy Kerrigan's leg. And get me the <laughs> fuck out of here, Garrett. I'm not. No, no. I got Derek. Derek. I am going to tell you something that's going to shock you a little bit. I know we're, we're late into this. I watched some other wrestling this week. Uh, let me go ahead and just say GCW is no sleep. A lot of fun. Great show. Keep watching GCW. The show that I watched on Tuesday, though, this might shock you. I tuned into NWA Power, Derek, on Facebook Live. Yeah, I've been hearing people talk about that on uh, the social media a little bit. Derek, it was really good. <laughs> Oh, was it? The presentation, because I'd only been to those NWA shows. I hadn't actually watched one. The way they present that show, I love it. The way that it has kind of that 80s pro wrestling feel, it has the feeling of waking up and watching that like Saturday morning wrestling that I remember when we were kids. It 
felt really good. It looked good. It looked like the first episode. I remember I, I've given a fair amount of shit to Tim Storm because I saw him wrestle with David Arquette on that team and wherever the hell I was. And then I have been giving Nick Aldis a lot of shit. They had a match where this was Tim Storm's final title defense. If he did not win, he would never get another shot. They had, I don't know if it was just the video package. It was a great story. And the presentation of it is fucking awesome. I did skip through a couple matches, but that being said, everything in between, just the overall presentation, I totally get the nostalgia thing they're going for now, and it does work. I've seen a lot of people saying that that it's totally worth watching, that it was fantastic, and the pre- I, I've heard the presentation was good. I've heard that already. Um, this is on Facebook Live, and when can you watch this? It's on every Tuesday now, It is, and it's free. You can rewatch the episodes anytime on there. So now Tuesdays, we have Impact, NWA, and AEW all putting shows out on the same day. Wow. We have wrestling so nearly the, the, every the day of the week. Is, the point is, is that if you're like me and you're cutting some WWE out of your diet and you're still hungry for more wrestling, there's plenty of it out there for you. You know, yeah. Yeah, you just, you know, you, you change your diet a little bit. Just change it. You don't have to, you don't have to fast. We're not asking you to fast. We're just asking you to eat different. <laughs> Are we asking them to, or are we just saying you could? I don't know. You what... could do it if you wanted to. Hey, you know what? Why go somewhere where the cum don't work? Go where the cum works. <laughs> Does the cum work here still? Is it still working at Predetermined Pro Wrestling Hangout? Debatable. They should let us know. Yeah, let, let us know. Hop on the social media. Follow us at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram, at Wrestle Hangout on Facebook and Twitter. I am at Gartet on social media. Derek is at Halloween Halpin. Garrett, we got any shows coming up? You mean like things we're attending? Yeah, are you going to any sup shows soon? Ah, shit, I missed the last one. Um, that was last weekend, and our buddy Garrett wrestled again, and I saw that he has four matches coming up this week. Well, shit, man. So he's fucking when out are you going to have Garrett back on the show? Yeah, I need to get him back on here soon to just talk about life as a pro wrestler, because he's just fucking doing it now. I think that would make for a good episode, too. We need to make that happen. Uh, And then let's see. uh, We've got Wombat and GCW both coming back to the Nashville area. I will be attending both of those. I've got AEW coming. uh, Wednesday Night Dynamite's coming to Nashville next month. And it's also coming to Chicago next month. That's true. I'm going to try. My work schedule now is so uh, on again, off again. Like, I work every other weekend and I have some days off during the week. So, you have to see... uh, have to see what I'll be able to make. I do know that Freelance Wrestling is doing a Halloween-themed show next week. A couple of your favorite wrestlers are, are there. Shit, um, who's there? Is, is Alex Zane back on that one? Maybe. I think Deppin's there. Oh, goddamn. Oh, speaking of that GCW show, yes, this is the match to check out from No Sleep. This is what sold me the pay-per-view this month. It was Alex Zane versus uh, Zachary Wentz from The Rascals. Holy shit, that is just two flippy guys that work real well together. I am so excited for Alex Zane to be the biggest wrestler in the world. I love that at the end of our episodes, we just scrape together the pro wrestling crumbs of the world 
and just kind of throw them on at the end of the episode. Like, here, check all this shit out, too. We've been meaning to talk about this. Well, what's fun? I mean, you ranted for 40 minutes about something that sucks. You you should be out there watching GCW, man. They're doing the they're doing the big work. Garrett, there's a lot going on right now. I got I got real sports to watch. Derek. <laughs> as of, I could just watch WWE and then get my fill of real sports, but No Sleep was Nick Gage's 666th day as champion. And that's significant because it's the sign of the beast. It is the sign of the beast and fucking Ricky Shane Page cut a promo on him in front of the Tokyo Dome holding his belt. He's got a he's pissed. God bless Nick Gage. God bless Nick Gage. He's going to be at AAW soon fighting Mance Warner. Holy shit. Hey, you know, I got to edit this. It is 1035 p.m. And I want you to have this show around midnight-ish. So I should probably get to editing. But you know what? So for the first time today, can we say it? Uh, I hope your cum works. Wait, say what? And hit our goddamn music. <laughs>